Well, tonight is coffee with the pastor. And if you're new to Higher Vision, I want to invite you to come out and join me for some coffee. We'd love to have you. It's going to be in the cafe at 6 o'clock. We do have childcare available. It won't take a long time, but we'll spend some time sharing a little bit of the vision, getting to know you a little bit better. So hope to have you coming. Maybe you've been coming for a while. You know, Coffee with the Pastor, every once in a while, we have people who show up that have been here for six months or a year. We even have people come that's been here like five, six years. It's, I think it's time <laughs> that I come to Coffee with the Pastor. So come and join us tonight at 6 o'clock. You know, as you are um, getting ready, if you will, turn in your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, those of you joining us online, to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. As you turn in there, I thought I'd just start with a little humor here, a story that I heard. Um, is everybody awake today? Say amen. All right. Anybody happy? All right. So I heard this story about this man who called the church office called the church office and the receptionist picked up and when she picked up she said hello and he said hey there I'd like to talk to the head hog of the trough well she was offended she goes you mean the pastor she goes well you're gonna have to call him the pastor not the head hog of the trough and he said well that's fine he goes I was just thinking about making a $10,000 donation to your church she said hold on a minute I think Porky just walked in That has nothing to do with my message whatsoever. <laughs> Although, if you want to give a $10,000 donation, <laughs> Porky will be available after the service, all right? I just want you to know. <laughs> oh, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read this story together. Those of you joining us online, I want to encourage you to stand too. We're going to honor the reading of God's word. Today, we're going to talk about something that may seem a little interesting, but we're talking about the power of baptism. Every once in a while as a pastor, I feel it's important for us to kind of go back to some basic things and make sure we all understand. Because next weekend at Higher Vision, right over there in that baptismal tank, we're going to have people getting baptized. And so I want to talk about the power of baptism. And what you may not know is in the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples, he talks about baptism. So I want us to read this all together. Will you lift your voice and let's declare it together. Ready? Matthew 28 verse 19 says, here we go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, my brother's mother-in-law's name is Shirley, and I like to use this verse with her. Surely I am with you. Isn't it good to know that one of the last things Jesus said before he ascended was, I'm with you, all the way to the end. And that's a comfort today. I am with you all the way to the end. Will you close your eyes as we invite the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to work in this place. Holy Spirit, work mightily among us. We need your voice. We need your power. We need your strength. I'm asking that you would become bold and loud in this room, in our hearts. Lord, I tear down every stronghold, every mindset that hinders our growth, that hinders the word from penetrating deep within us. Soften our hearts to receive the word so that it can produce a crop, a harvest of righteousness. 
I just take a moment, connect with the Holy Spirit. Will you do that? Just connect with Him right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in us. Say this, say, speak to me today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Baptism, Jesus tells us before he leaves the earth, one of the things he said is go and make disciples and baptize them. Now, I want to show a verse to you in the Bible that maybe you've never read before and may sound a little contradictive today because I'm going to teach on baptism, but go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm bringing this passage to you, Hebrews 6 verse 1 and 2, because I want to just lay a foundation before we dive into the message this morning. It says this, Paul, um, the writer of Hebrews, some believe it's Paul, some believe it's not, some believe it's a, a, a Apollos, but here's what the scripture says, therefore, leaving the discussion, or another translation says, forget or leave behind the discussion of the elementary principles or the foundational instructions of Christ. He's speaking to these believers and saying, hey, you need to move on, let go of all those foundational teachings, and let us go on to perfection or maturity. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, he tells us some of these foundational principles. And so not laying the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms. Everybody say baptisms. Of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. What this passage tells us is that there are several foundational principles. And what was happening at the time is they weren't moving on in growth and maturity by learning other things that kept just rehearsing the same old things. Now, today what I want to do is kind of opposite of what this says. I want to go back and lay the foundation again because sometimes in the church in America, we tend to be all about the heavy revy, but we don't get the foundational principles we need to build our life upon. You all with me? So the first thing I want to point out to you that the writer of Hebrews tells us is that there isn't just one baptism, but it says that there's doctrines of baptisms. So what I want to do is real quickly show you four baptisms or doctrine of baptisms in Scripture. Here's the first one. The first type of baptism is what we see in the Scripture, and it's in the New Testament. It's called the baptism of John the Baptist. The baptism in, John, in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, it says that John baptized with water with the with the teaching of repentance. So he focused on repentance of sin and he taught baptism. This is called the baptism of John. We're not gonna teach on that today, but that's one of the doctrines of baptism. Second one is what we call the baptism of suffering. The baptism of suffering. And you might say, well, where is that found? Well, if you look at scripture, you'll discover that Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 50. He also tells us in Mark chapter 10, verse 38. Remember when he had that conversation with a couple of, of his disciples who wanted to sit next to him when he got to heaven? And he said, well, okay, you can if you're willing to take on the same baptism of suffering that I must take. So Jesus walked through what's called the baptism of suffering. We're not going to dive into that today, but that's another form of baptism we see in the scripture. 
Here's the third one, and we've taught on this many times, called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The third type of baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in a spiritual language. We've taught on that. I did that last, I think it was October or November. We taught them what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you can look through the scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. In fact, it says this. Jesus says, John baptized you with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so... Those are three types of baptisms. The one we're going to focus on today, which is a foundational principle, is simply this, water baptism. Everybody say water baptism. Now, the reason that I'm doing this is I was praying. I was going to preach on a different topic this week, but the Lord just really stirred my heart that we needed to talk about water baptism, and here's why. Next weekend, we're having water baptisms at Higher Vision Church. So the timing is great for you and I to understand, and there's a lot of us who may not realize that this is something that's important in our faith journey with God. So I'm going to ask four questions today. Is that okay? Because when you ask a question, you can give an answer, right? So here's question number one. You ready? Write this down. First principle, do I have to be baptized or do I have to be water baptized to go to heaven? Do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? Here's the answer. No. So you say, well, what do you mean, pastor? Are you sure? Well, let's look at some examples in scripture. There was a thief on the cross next to Jesus, and he repented of his sins and said, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. So if you have to be water baptized to go to heaven, then that means that Jesus was lying and the thief didn't make it to heaven. You all with me? So you don't have to be baptized in water to go to heaven. However, what is the thing that puts us in a right standing with God so we can go to heaven? It's not water baptism, but what it is, is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Write this down or follow along. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by what? Grace. By what? Grace. For it's by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Bottom line is the way that you and I go to heaven is we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And as we put our faith in Christ, his grace covers our sin. So you don't have to be baptized in water to make it to heaven, all right? You all got it? All right, here's question number two. What is water baptism? What is it? Well, if you look at the Greek word for baptism, many of you know the Bible was written in, um, in Greek because that was the language of the time, and then sometimes those words have a different meaning, and so we can dive in and look and see a little bit deeper meaning of a passage or a word to help us understand. The word for baptism in the Greek is just the Greek word bapto, and bapto literally means to cover wholly with fluid or to dip to moisten. I've always thought that it might be fun to get t-shirts when people get baptized here at um, Higher Vision that says, I got dunked at Higher Vision. It literally means just to push someone under the water and bring them back up. And when you do that, when you say, I'm now on the profession of your faith, I baptize you, then we go on to say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Now, some of you say, Pastor, where do we get that? Well, we just read it in Matthew chapter 18. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them. How? In the name of the? And of the? And of the Holy Spirit. 
So baptism is simply to put someone under the water and bring them back up. Now, let me just say this. Baptism is something that is a post-conversion experience. It follows something that has happened in your life. Baptism is not a convenience. Baptism is a conviction. There's a lot of people who have been pre-God baptized or pre-decision baptized. Maybe you were baptized in your faith as a child, but you didn't know what, what was going on. You had made no decision. There was no conversion in your heart. Now, as a children, we know as innocents, they go to be with the Lord. But you see, what baptism is, is it's a post-conversion um, confession. In other words, it is to say from an outward perspective, I am telling the world that I have been forgiven. I am telling the world that I have been changed. I am telling the world that I follow Jesus. And so we dedicate children, we baptize believers. Y'all with me? That's the way we do it here at Higher Vision. Now, some faiths believe in sprinkling and some faiths believe in immersion. We believe in immersion. And the reason we believe in immersion or putting them under or dunking them is because in Scripture, in the New Testament, Pretty much every time you see someone being baptized, they were immersed in the water. Think about Jesus. You realize Jesus got baptized, and when he got baptized, what happened? They took him, and John the Baptist dunked him in the water and brought him back up. The Ethiopian eunuch, which we're going to talk about later in the message, he got down out of the chariot on the side of the road in a river, and he was baptized. And so most of the passages in the New Testament seem to infer that people were immersed. Now, let me just simply say this, that if you were baptized as a child and you didn't know what was going on and you didn't make a decision, um, well, listen, don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> you know what? Because we don't go to heaven because of baptism. We go to heaven because of faith in Jesus, right? But what baptism is, is it's a symbol to say that there is something that has happened in my life. A conversion, a change, a transformation has happened. I am no longer a sinner, but I have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? No. What is baptism? Well, it's to be put under the water and brought back up. So here's the third question. You all with me? Question number three is this. Why should I be water baptized then? If I, if I don't have to get baptized to go to heaven, why should I get water baptized? What's the big deal? I don't want to, I, I have, my hairdo takes me a long time to get ready, Pastor Jared. I don't know that I want to go under that water and have everybody see me with, you know, terrible hair. I, I work hard at what we see every Sunday morning, right? Do I really have to get baptized? Is that really that important? Well, let me tell you some reasons why you might want to consider water baptism, even as an adult. You know, we have people get baptized all the time who were maybe baptized as a child and they didn't know what was going on and they want to make that statement, a conviction that, hey, I've been transformed. So here's the first reason. Why would I want to get water baptized? You ready? Here's why. Write this down. Because water baptism represents cleansing. Water baptism represents cleansing. Let me show you an awesome passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. 
This was on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had come. The, the disciples were speaking in spiritual language. A crowd gathered. Peter gets up and begins to preach the word, and they realize they're sinners. Here's what it says. And they need a Savior. In fact, they realize that they have now been anti-Christ because they killed or they were a part of killing Jesus, who was the Messiah. So they were anti-Christ. And let me just tell you, you're either pro-Christ or you're anti-Christ. Well, no, no, I'm in the middle. He's a good guy. He was a prophet. No, if you don't believe he's the son of God, the savior of the world, then really you're anti-Christ. And there's a spirit in the world, the Bible says, as we get later and later in history, that'll be more anti-Christ as it goes along. So when you get baptized, what you're saying is, I am pro-Christ, not anti-Christ. And what's interesting is when this happens, they had been anti-Christ. Well, here's what Peter says. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I love it that back in the day they said, hey, bro, they were calling each other bro and brothers. Isn't that cool? Just throwing that out there. I don't know. What shall we do? And what does Peter say? Repent and be be baptized. Little Nacho Libre there. Every one of you, repent and be baptized. All of you who don't want to get your hair messed up, Repent, be baptized if it works out in your schedule. Isn't it interesting? I'm just throwing that out there. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You see, when we're baptized, it's a representation, a symbol, that we have been cleansed from all sin. Now, uh, an example of this was last night. Now, I'm a little bit, um, uh, I don't know how to, what to say, but, you know, when I, I come to church, I hate getting to church with a wrinkled shirt. Any, any men know what I'm talking about or, or women? Right? So I don't like to iron my shirt ahead of time, then put it on, and then put my seatbelt on, and then drive to church, and then I've got all these wrinkles in it. I mean, anybody, don't you hate that? So here's what I do. I'm just giving you a little behind the scenes here at Higher Vision Church. I iron my shirt and I wear a t-shirt or something else and I bring it and I hang it up in the green room and then before service I change and put on my shirt so that it doesn't get wrinkled. Now it bugs me because during the service I'm sitting there and it gets wrinkled in the back and I can't do anything about it. I hate that. So yesterday I ironed my shirt and I was all ready to come to church and as I'm finishing ironing and I'm in a hurry, I got to get here, suddenly it was like, oh, there was a black mark right here on my shirt. The only clean one I have ready. So what did I do? I had a mark. I had a stain. So I went over and got the magic pen. How many have ever seen those Tide pens? How many know I'm talking about? Those are awesome. How many know I'm talking about, right? I grabbed the, the Tide pen and I'm like, I'm taking care of you, this mark, right? I walk over, I grab the pen, I take the top off, and I go, Phoom, and it's dry. <laughs> so what do I have to do? I go over then, and I grab the little shout can, you know, bottle. I take it over, and I spray a little on it. But that's not going to do the trick. It's not until I add some water, and I begin to use the water with the special cleansing agent, 
And I begin to rub it, and guess what? The stain goes away because cleansing comes through water. Now, it's interesting that we get baptized in water for the forgiveness, the removal of stain. In fact, let me show you a cool scripture. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. It says, and that what? is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This particular passage in context is talking about Noah and how that Noah, through the water, was saved. Now, we know that the water itself isn't what saves us, but just as the water was a symbol that it was the cleansing of the world and the saving of Noah, when you and I get into that baptismal tank and we go under and we come back up, here's what we're telling the world. My stains have been removed. I am clean. In fact, this is my favorite verse. And he will present unto himself a church without spot or wrinkles. Come on now. Come on. Because baptism represents what? Cleansing. Let's even go a little deeper with this. Go to, go to Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 tells us this. It says, we therefore buried with him through what? Baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So water baptism, not only does it represent that the water cleanses us from sin, but it also gives us a chance to identify with Jesus because Jesus was buried and then he rose again. So we get to be like Jesus. We get to be buried and rise again. And through that process, it illustrates that we have been cleansed and we become a new person, a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. Now, why is that important? Well, let me tell you why. The other day, it just so happened, we were looking through some pictures, and I saw a picture of something that took place with my daughter, Macy, when she was about five years old. We were living in Modesto, and I come walking into the house after work, and Devette had this look on her face of frustration. How many have ever come home to your spouse being home with the kids, and there's a look of frustration? <laughs> Depression. right? I'm like, what's going on? She goes, go into the hall. I go into the hall, and as I go around the corner, there is the door to our bathroom. Now, here's what you need to know. We had just spent days and weeks and hours. We had put tile in our house. We would replaced every baseboard of the entire house and repainted all of the trim around the doors, around the baseboard, and all of the doors had been repainted white. All of them. Beautiful. Looked awesome. And I walk around the corner, and there on the door to the bathroom, written in five-year-old writing, <laughs> with black permanent ink, is do not enter... And then it was either poop or stink. I don't know. One of those was on the door. (laughs) 
know what I'm saying? I mean, couldn't we have done this three weeks ago? How many know what I'm talking about? Well, I didn't get mad. I was, you know, a patient, loving father. (laughs) So I just think, hey, no big deal. I'll just put another coat of paint on it. Coat number one. Coat number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. No matter how many coats of white paint I put on that door, you could still see, do not enter poop. (laughs) I tried to cover over the stain, but it was still there. So the only solution, well, there were two. One of them was to take the door down, sand it down to bare wood, which is way too much work. (laughs) The best solution was just to go and get a new door. Because now when we put up the new door, you could do everything in your power to sand, to strip, but no matter how hard you looked, you would not find the stain because the stain isn't even there. And the Bible tells us that when we've been baptized, that it represents not only have we been cleansed, but we've been gone to death and resurrected, and now we are a brand new door. The stain is gone. There is no more marks in your life. You are brand new in Jesus. Every mistake you've ever made that the devil tries to point and say, look what you've done. Look where you've been. You could say, no, no, no. It's not there. I'm a new door. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor Jerry. I don't care how many times the devil looks at you. He's not going to say poop. Didn't think you'd hear that today at church, did you? (laughs) Water baptism represents cleansing. Ready ready for point number? The other thing that it represents, it represents this. Water baptism represents believing. Acts chapter 16, verse 30 tells us this. Remember when the Philippian jailer Remember, he was charged to watch over Paul and Silas, but, and the way it worked is if you said, I'm going to be in charge of the prison and this, I'm going to take care of this prisoner, if that prisoner escaped, they would kill you because it was your responsibility for them. Well, there was a great earthquake in the middle of the night. All the doors flew open. All the chains fell off. There was no light in the prison. And so this Philippian jailer thought that everyone had escaped. And he was wanting to kill himself. And he runs in with the sword to kill himself. And then Paul says, hey, we're still here. It's okay. And that's when he says this. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And here's what Paul and Silas said. They replied, what's the first word? What is the word? Believe Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately... He and all his family were baptized. Believe. 
Water baptism, when you come out of that water, not only are you saying, I'm clean, I'm brand new, I've been cleansed by the power of Jesus, but you also are saying, listen, everybody believes in something, but I want you to know what I believe in. I believe in Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Water baptism, it's a symbol. It represents believing. And here's the last part of it. Water baptism represents identification. Water baptism represents identification. Now, one of the reasons that we need to get baptized is, is interesting thought is that Jesus got baptized. And have you ever thought about it? Why would Jesus get baptized? If you get baptized as a proclamation that you've been cleansed of sin, Jesus never sinned. He was perfect. That was the only way he could go to the cross and die on the cross for the sins of the world. As a, you know, they would take a, a young lamb without any marks on it any blemishes and they would sacrifice that it had to be a perfect lamb which represented what Jesus was he was the perfect lamb of God no sin so why did Jesus get baptized if it represents you've been cleansed of sin he he, he didn't have any sin I think the reason that Jesus got baptized was first of all because he was demonstrating what he was going to do which was to die and then rise again. And he was giving you and me the opportunity to identify with him. He was modeling for us. It wasn't required for him, but he did it anyway. It's not required for you and I, but we have the opportunity now by being baptized to identify with Jesus. Let's read what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. It says, having been buried with him, in baptism, let me stop right there, leave that verse up. Isn't it interesting, I just had this thought occur to me, that there were two times that God said verbally, this is my son, I'm proud of him. One time he said, this is my son, I'm well pleased. The other time he said, this is my son, listen to him. The, the second time was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, they were there to pray, and he, he talked with Moses and Elijah, and then God spoke and said, this is my son, listen to him. But in this situation, when he was baptized, what did God say? This is my son, and I'm proud of him. I almost wonder if somehow Jesus getting baptized was the opportunity for God to look down from heaven, not just on him, but you and me, when we go into that water, and him to be able to say, this is my child, and I am proud of them. Just food for thought. Okay. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sins. You see, water baptism isn't just about forgiveness and cleansing, but it's the connection to identify that we belong, you are my son, that we belong to God and that we are in covenant with Jesus. Kind of like this. You know, on my finger is a ring. That ring is a wedding ring. I have it right here, right? Now, wearing this ring doesn't make me married. What this ring does, it just shows everybody that I am married. You all with me? 
And not only does it show, it doesn't make me married, but it shows everybody that I am married. It also sends out a message that I belong to somebody else. You see, baptism doesn't make you saved, but what it does is it's the symbol or one of the symbols that lets everybody know that you belong to somebody. That you identify with someone. That you identify with Jesus. You know, it reminds me of a story. There was a book called The Hiding Place and Corey Tin Boom. Some of you may have read that book. I read it as a child. There was a movie about it. And what they did, this Dutch family, um, they loved the Jewish people. And what they would do is they would hide the Jewish people so that when the Nazis came to take them to concentration camps, they would try to sneak them out and hide them in their home. What's interesting is Corey Ten Boom's grand, either great-grandfather or grandfather, Wilhelm Ten Boom, started, listen to this, a weekly prayer group in 1844 near Amsterdam. And here's what they prayed every week for the salvation of the Jews. This weekly prayer meeting continued amazingly uninterrupted for 100 years until 1944. And it ended when the, the Boone family, Corrie ten Boone and her family, were sent to a concentration camp for helping the Jews flee from the Nazis. And Corrie ten Boone tells a story about how her father, when the Jews were forced to wear the, the Star of David, remember that? Before they were sent to the concentration camps, they were forced to get in line and get a star of David on their arm. And when they would put the star of David on their arm, it was to identify that they were Jewish. Corey Tim Boone's father lined up with the Jews, although he wasn't a Jew. He got in line and got a star of David and wore that symbol so that he could identify himself with the people he had been praying for his whole life. To the point that he was willing to be identified with the Jews and willing to wear this sign of shame and suffer persecution for the sake of the people that he loved. Can I tell you that when you and I get baptized, it's like getting in the line. But instead of wearing a badge of shame, we get to bear, wear a badge of honor. And the badge of honor, the star or the cross or whatever it might be, is to say that I identify, I am connected to, I belong to the one King of kings, Lord of lords, Savior Jesus Christ. I identify with him. That's what baptism says. Who are you identified with? I love the opportunity to be baptized. Some, you know, we have some people in our church that every few years get baptized again because they want to make sure that everybody knows that they're wearing the badge. That they know that they belong. This is my son and I am proud of them. They want the world to know I've been cleansed, that I believe and that I belong to Jesus. So there's some reasons why you should get baptized. You ready for the fourth question? Here's the fourth question. We're going to bring it to an end. I want the worship team to come. Last question is, when should I get baptized? When should I get baptized? Well, let's read. Acts chapter 8, verse 35 says this. 
Now remember, Philip had gone to this certain road led by the Holy Spirit, and he sees this eunuch from Ethiopia traveling in his chariot, and he's reading the scriptures. And it just so happens the scripture that he's reading is talking about the Messiah. He doesn't know that. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, let me tell you, coming up this summer, we're going to do more of an expository approach to to the teaching, and I'm going to teach through the book of Colossians, and we're going to talk about the good news. I'm excited to share some of that with you. It says, he began to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I get baptized? That's my question. Why, Why not get baptized? Why not? Right now. Well, not right now, but next weekend at 11.30 service. (laughs) Why not? There's water, I believe. Let's do it now. And what happens? Then both Philip and the eunuch get out into the water, and Philip baptizes him. Maybe you got baptized as a child, or maybe it's been years, and maybe you realize that You want the world to know that you're a new creature without spot or wrinkle. Maybe the time is for you to say, you know what, I'm making this commitment for myself, for my children, for my family. I want the world to know who I belong to, who I believe in, that I am brand new. Here's how you do it. If you actually pull up the the screen there, guys, if you will, you go to the Higher Vision baptism registration at Higher Vision. It's easy. It's very simple to sign up. Go to our homepage. You can do it on your smartphones, on your computer. Go to the top of the screen where it says local campus. Click on it. Go down to, to baptism. Click on that. Then go to the bottom of that. What do I do? And it has all the information. Bring a towel. Tells you what to wear. You show up at 1030 to an event in room 12 next week. Then you click on the bottom and you fill out your first name. And then you fill out your second name, your, your, your last name. And then you, you put in your email put in your phone number and then you choose and put information in there and at the bottom there's a question for you and then when it's all done you hit send and that will let us know that you're coming in fact someone may contact you I'm not sure but then next week at 10:30, right here in room 12 you show up and they're going to give you a little instruction and and tell you what to do and next week you have an opportunity you see Philip and this eunuch the eunuch said listen I, I'm not going to let convenience stand in the way of my conviction I want to make sure that I have this moment where Philip knows, where the driver of the chariot knows that this is what I'm going to do, that I want the world to know I belong to God, that I'm wearing the badge, I'm wearing the the badge of honor, that I belong to Jesus. So when should I get baptized? How about right away? What's holding you back? You know, there's a story that's told about a husband and wife with two children who professed their faith, faith in Christ and they were baptized. This was, I think, in Africa. And their village leaders decided to make an example because they weren't happy about it, of this husband. Arresting the family, they demanded that the father renounce Christ or see his wife and children murdered. When he refused, his two children were executed by archers. Given another chance to recant, the man again refused and his wife was similarly struck down. Still refusing to recant, the man followed his family into glory. 
Witnesses later said that when asked to recant or see his children murdered, the man said these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And after seeing his children killed, he reportedly said, the world can be behind me, but the cross is still before me. And then after seeing his wife pierced by arrows, he then said, though no one is here to go with me, still I will follow Jesus. I know it's a sad story, and I know as a man, when I hear that, I'm thinking, God, I don't know that I could have the strength. I want the strength to know that I would profess you, because that's what I'm asking you for. Lord, I don't ever want to be in that situation. But I can't imagine what he went through. But what's amazing is the words that he spoke. Later on, someone heard those words and wrote a song. The song simply says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. 